you know, uh, they threw me off of it. And then it was like a week later that my mom was like, okay, I'm going to hire you, but you have to just wait. And I had to wait from like, I want to say like middle of October to the beginning of the year Mm. and just like sit at J space and like finish out. And then like towards the end, like my dad in like true, you know, Seinfeld style was like, why don't you just try to get fired? (laughs) I did. (laughs) Uh, So what I ended up doing was like, I just like started not giving a fuck and like really just like errantly not, fucking giving a fuck I, fu- I love that episode oh my god it's I, the be- it's it's one of the best episodes ever and i was like i'm in you season nine so i'm like really close to being well done. that's a great place to like break in because like all right let's break into this like we're doing a cold open here i think this movie represents like the later seasons of seinfeld <laughs> in the james bond oeuvre <laughs> <laughs> okay which is crazy because if you watch the movies and kind of think about Seinfeld, it actually kind of goes a little bit in reverse because you were actually in a weird way. So in the beginning part of it, it's like the method. So that's almost like, you know, the middle trilogy of seasons, you know, what I would call seasons th- four five and six, the middle trilogy of Seinfeld, the yeah. perfect seasons, right? Of course. Where they have the formula, they know what they're doing and they're now just like, they're now making the really cool stuff. George is working at the Yankees. He gets fired. The opposite. The abstinence. Uh, <laughs> no, not not the abstinence. The the conversion. Oh my God, the conversion. Oh, the conversion. That's a uh, crazy episode. But then all of season four is like is like the best Beatles album of all time. It's like it just is the best show. Season four is is the best television. Anyway, is, is season four? Wait, when when are they? Season four is the, the show. show. The show. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's it's fa- it's fabulous. It, it, the work that they did writing that. I feel like it doesn't get enough airtime. No, wh- I do totally disagree. I think it's the most pl- overplayed season. Is it okay? Maybe I just am very unlucky because I feel like whenever I would catch stuff on TV it was like the same episodes all the time, and that's why I, I like went out with this mission of like when Seinfeld went to Hulu. I'm like, I need to start from the top and go all the way through because I know there's a lot I've missed. And so for the yeah. audience, like we were just talking about it. I'm on, I'm on season nine and yeah, season eight, when George like tries to get fired. It's like, oh my it's God. Ridiculous. It's the, yeah. It's so nuts. At that point, the, the fucking wheels are coming off of the show. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so this to me, like Moonraker is the peak wackiness of bond that we're ever going to get. It's the most zany it's the most chicken roaster episode. It's, you know, it's the most bizarro Jerry episode where they are ju- like, there's no rules. It doesn't matter. Like it, we're just going to be funny. And that's all that matters. Your enjoyment and the ultimate funniness of the entire, the entire piece. I can feel that. I mean, like this is what, uh, 15 or it's, this is actually 11. This 11? is on 11. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought it was higher, but yeah, I mean, it's that makes okay. sense. Um, but this is the fourth Roger Moore and they've got a, a template and they're, you know, like we were talking last time that this movie or the, the movie that was, that came out now, like Moonraker wasn't the one they were planning to do, but because of star Wars, like they flipped it. And like, so Moonraker is also a novel. So it's like, they had some ideas, but I, 
I truly don't know. I don't know if there's anything on the special features. It's like, oh my God, there's great special features. I know so much. We're gonna have a great episode. <laughs> but tune yeah, in, they, buckle they, in. This is a gonna, this is gonna be a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And with that, Moonraker. <laughs> we are the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm Frank, and AJ's here, Jersey City, as always. How you guys doing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? You doing good? How doing, you guys doing? Doing good. Um, um, all right, dude. So this movie is like, it's just, okay. So let's talk about some of the facts. Okay. So they were about to make, uh, they just made spy who loved me spy who loved me makes the most money of any bond movie up until that point. At that point, star Wars comes out the same year. Um, and they're like, okay, we got to go to space. Let's embrace some science fiction. The original novel this is actually the third novel of uh ian fleming which is crazy to me um is that is moonraker and moonraker in the story is very simple and it's actually much more similar to the spy who loved me and then it's a crazy dude who wants to shoot a bomb at london you know but broccoli saw this and he went on a trip to brazil and he fucking loved it and he was like we got to shoot a bond movie out here and they talk about on the special features that It was like one of the first times like some of the other editors and stuff had been like, you know, they they bring them along to go hunting and scouting for locations. And they're like this. It was just epic. We went on this awesome vacation. We toured around. We went up to Iguazu Falls. Uh, They they had a great time (laughs) anyway. So at that point, they're like, okay, Star Wars comes out. We're going to make the most ambitious, crazy Bond movie ever. And they throw $30 million at this, which is a lot of money for the time. A lot of money. To yeah. make this movie. Um, so when they, you know, so so they take this plot, they revamp it. Um, the plot is very, it's changed a little bit. They uh, keep the name of the villain, but ultimately, you know, we're dealing with space stations and the space shuttle and prolonged, you know, life in space. And at, as that's all happening kids from around the world are writing into cubby broccoli asking him if jaws can be a good guy instead of a bad guy <laughs> oh my god <sighs> and then you have you know moonraker 1979 so i think okay so did you like this movie frank i did i did um and like i think though like my expectation of what it would have been compared to what it was like don't match up at all yeah it's a little <laughs> maybe, it's not... maybe about 20 percent um and so and confirmed i i've never seen it i nothing felt familiar to me i don't know what i thought i remembered but um it yeah i mean i think the weird thing so like this movie is very reminiscent of the last one in a lot of ways. Like you've got, this Oh, it's guy. the same pl- plot. Same it's plot. The same plot. <laughs> Just different setting. Instead of underwater, it's space. R- destroy the world. So you can have like a new master race of human beings. Okay, great. Got it. Um, but for a movie that, you know, is supposed to be like channeling it's star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you don't go to space until star the last Wars. like 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Well, that well, that's also that's also these movies. You know what I mean? Like that we yes, yes, you're right. The it's only you're about an hour, you're an hour and a half in, and when they get on the space shuttle, yeah, that's a, it's a long time. Um, so yeah, let's do some, let's throw out some spoilers and say, listen, go check out this movie. I 
I like this. I like this movie. I enjoyed watching it, but it's not a good movie. Yeah. And, and, and that to me is like kind of a bummer in like all of the ways that star Wars is kind of cool. And like, we like star Wars. This movie doesn't really try to do like, it's still using like the same, like model on a string technology, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to move their equipment around the models and like it doesn't embrace motion control, which is what the team at ILM d- created for Star Wars that makes the space scenes look so believable and awesome. So this movie like, should have been made like 10 years later and it would have probably been really awesome. Right. You could have gotten. Well, I'm, I'm sure that a lot at the time, you know, that some of the people who had probably made Star Wars maybe were working on this in a different way. Because I think the Ken Adams, this is the last Ken Adams movie. Ken Adams is the production designer. Mm-hmm. He's made, he was, he had done all of them up until this point. And so the last Lewis Gilbert, too. Yeah. So uh, the regime changes. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a big, uh, you know, crossover in the next one. I love the interior sets in this, in this movie. I think, like, they are really beautiful and really cool. And, like, they do look awesome and expensive. But I think where... <laughs> Like, the ode to Star Wars comes around. Like, it's just a cheap and shitty. And, like, it, you know, maybe you can appreciate it and think it's funny. But, like, I didn't think it was super funny. I thought it was just lame. And it's not fast forward through because you ultimately need to see what happens right. for the plot. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, I think they could have done a lot better. And, and it's I not think supposed if... to be funny. <laughs> no, like... it's definitely not supposed to be. It's definitely the same year this movie comes out, Alien comes out. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, and we... This is maybe like the first time where we've crossed over like with another year of this like the earliest movies we've talked about. Um but yeah, the you know they even Alien, the special effects in the on that movie are just like ridiculously awesome and dark and scary and we knew that they're not going to go super dark at this time, but I just think that the you know the attempts that they had made to, you know, make it look like Star Wars are ultimately super cheap and lame. They don't hold up over time and it's not like they were trying to actually make an ode or like something like to use motion capture, I think would have been like a true ode and an homage to star Wars to say like, this was awesome. Like think it like motion control will be used by Spielberg in the eighties and like, and then everybody else after that, like, yeah, you're right. If this movie maybe came out 10 years later, it could have been that super awesome. I just don't think they had enough time to really figure it out. They were like, we need to go to space. We need to like, Get I, I agree, and, but they and didn't they, really figure out how to do it the right way. Well, they lost sight, I think, of like trying to like you know. I think the villain is memorable in that like, you know, he's just walking around all the time, and you're like, who's this like fucking? He looks so evil, Lannister, <laughs> motherfucker. And he like he walks around, and he has this horrible accent. Um, I don't know. I, I like I like this movie, but it's not a good movie. And with that, spoilers. Um, where do you want to start, Frank? Um, uh, you want to play the game? Yeah, let's let's play the game. I I want to take a crack at it. Uh, it's been a little while since I I saw it, but okay. I think that is going to actually benefit because I don't remember all the details. So go for it. The the movie opens with a <laughs> space shuttle, uh, being stolen. Indeed. Um. They have to investigate where the space, missing space shuttle goes. Uh, James Bond gets assigned to the mission, and he tracks it to this guy, Drax, who made the space shuttles 
and basically finds out that he wants to destroy the human race and make and have this epic space station where he's going to have a master race. He's got like the Noah's Ark of all the beautiful people. Uh, Jaws is along the way. He gets hired as the new ass- assassin and eventually turns to be a good guy. <laughs> and James Bond saves the day, blows up the space station, and they have sex on live camera with everybody <laughs> watching them. And yeah, it's a, it's a, you did really good. Actually, you did really good. There are a lot um, more locations involved. Like that to me, like when I hear about, why Moonraker, did they have to go to Brazil? Why did they go to Brazil? They go to Venice. <laughs> it, it just like, to me, like, I feel like they should be like going to space. <laughs> You're like, they're going to go to space now. <laughs> yeah. Like they start. I the movie knew it with, takes a long time to go to space. Yeah. It's like, they start with the shuttle and then you don't see it again for ever. And it, if it do, doesn't feel like, like if you turned on Moonraker on TV, right? Sure. And you've yeah. never seen it before. And they're like in the middle of the Amazon rainforest. Yes. You'd be like, I feel like this is the wrong movie. <laughs> <laughs> they put the wrong title I, card. Yes. Like, so I don't know. I, I did like it. I, it's it's an interesting ride, but it kind of feels like two movies mushed together. No, I agree with you. It's a it's a it, this movie takes some weird turns. Um, I mean, oh boy. Um, I think Bond movies are kind of like, you know, they don't really live and die on the plot anymore. And in, in like the Roger Moore era, like I think they are they're running on empty. And, you know, I think this movie, like, suffers for that. But I think visually, like, maybe if you, like, watch this movie on mute, like, it would be a pretty enjoyable thing to, like, look at. But I also hate the music in this movie, like, a lot. It's bad. It's really bad. We were talking about how the music is bad in this movie and that... You know, if you watch this movie on mute, like the visuals are so, I think, are really cool despite the outer space stuff. I think that they should have used motion control for the space sequences that would have made it cool and like an actual homage to Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, let, let's talk about the usual shit. Um, I mean, Holly Goodhead. <laughs> like, how do they name these characters? <laughs> Just... On the DVD special features, Lois Childs says that she is proud that she has the most obscene, dirty Bond girl name. Hey, at least she's embracing it, I guess. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. Like, you know, it. I didn't remember this from, like, growing up. So, like, that's obviously, like, I didn't get it. Oh, yeah. Going I mean? over your head completely. Totally. But, like, now, like, looking at it, it's like, Dr. Goodhead? Oh, you're a woman? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, yeah. uh, would we even question that? Th- that's like uh, Mike Myers is like, thank you very much. I will take that for later. <laughs> like, okay. Big um, note on the crazy names. Yeah. Everyone likes those. Great jokes. Um, okay, let's talk about <laughs> how this chick is like, you know, the modern girl and like the CIA agent. And is like always like seemingly like in kind of lockstep with Bond. I would never say that she's ever ahead of Bond, but I yeah. feel like she's either one step right behind him or she's like on his level of the 
you know, the mystery every time they interact. What she, do you think she, about her? I, I feel that there's the one moment where she's in Venice before he's in Venice. Right. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're pretty much in sync. I, I like that. She's, you know, posing as a doctor and then it, it reveal that she's a CIA agent. That's great. Um, and they work together together really well. Um, but yeah, and I feel like they give her enough to do, but not like an amazing amount. Um, and like, yeah, definitely a course correction from like some of the earlier uh, Bond girls with Roger Moore. Um, and I feel like she definitely holds her own and kind of will like, you know, call him out a little bit. Right. Yeah. I, I think that she was a, a good character and like overall, like her stuff kind of holds up. Um but I, uh, you know, I, I think that they, she's not like a memorable Bond girl. I don't think. Like, I yeah. think the only thing that's super memorable about her is her name, <laughs> and yeah. and like everything else is like she is just you know insert female lead number two here. You know what I mean? If yeah. you were making this movie after 1970, you'd have a strong female lead instead of a weak female lead. And, uh, you know, that would just be the way it would rock and roll. Yeah. Um, but, okay. Uh, so I, I liked her. I like, despite that, like, she's uh, super beautiful. And I loved her outfits in this movie. I like that you kind of don't know what side she's on till the very end. And then you're on her team the whole time. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, then there's we the do? other Bond girl. Um, oh, what's her name? That That's like... Drax. Corinne, what? Corinne, Corinne, yes. Like, yes. yeah, she helps him at Drax's like estate, um, and like basically, like the first part of the movie, she's like kind of there, and then eventually we meet Doctor Goodhead, and then Corinne gets eaten by the dogs. Um, I liked her, but you know, like she's just fine. Nothing like super memorable about her either. Um, can we talk about his estate? <laughs> Versailles. <laughs> so, like, okay. I'm supposed to believe that, one, this is California, and this guy is American? Yeah. It's weird, right? What, like, why? Why? Like, they, they, he, he doesn't have an American accent. It doesn't look like California. It's this, like, big, like, ornate, like european looking place like why couldn't he just be another european villain but i guess because of nasa they wanted to have space involved because of the america like the united states like what do you think well i i think it you know they wanted to set this guy up as kind of a global character mm-hmm. you know and like when you see all the shuttles launching like that kind of confirms that like he had like lots of bases and like lots of these shuttles around and then would help to like lead to like you maybe potentially believing that this guy was able to build a secret humongous space station capable of holding five space shuttles at one time. And NASA did not know about it. Yeah. Um, you know, so because of their radar jamming that, Oh my God. Like, I don't know. It'd probably be visible with the freaking naked eye. It was so big. (laughs) Well, like at that time, like they're, they're not, not going into space. That's true. They definitely were in the 70s. They're definitely going to space still. So why are we worried about, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, like, so, okay. Uh, 
yeah, I don't get Versailles. I thought the Versailles opening, like, it just seemed to me that there's a lot of locations in this movie that, like, don't have any purpose other than to, like, have a fight or a set piece. Yeah. And, like, that then it becomes kind of like the new movies in kind of a way. And, like, think of, like, Skyfall or, or Spectre, like, the way that, like, you know, when you're in Mexico City, you have the crazy, you know, uh, helicopter fight. And then when you get to, uh, you know, later in the movie at that crazy compound where we blow it all up. Um, I don't know, man. Like, it... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I the, think the the, lo- pieces... the locations felt like ex- like they're cool and they're nice, but it does it didn't help the story. Right, like you said before, with when they were scouting and they went to Brazil, like they probably like, oh, we need to put the festival in the movie. Like people need to see this, and so they they were like, how are we going to get there? And so they just and they went and like <laughs> it's John Glenn like going and shooting it like documentary style like of actual carnival. Yeah, and like that's super cool, and they you know, actually like did, you know, some nice footage that you can see and it, and it looks real and it looks awesome in the movie, I think. Uh, but then everywhere else is just like more of a shallow, like casual stopover. Like we did not need to go to Venice. (laughs) We just didn't need to go there. Yeah. I mean, Uh, it was cool. Like it was cool to see Venice. The gondola, the gondola scene is cool, but the guy popping out of the coffin looks more, you know, that that's goofy as hell. Like, yeah, you know well, they. Hold on, if we're talking goofy. Yeah, it's wacky time. The movie starts with Jaws landing into a circus tent, so they've already set that Shit. bar pretty. But the opening, okay, the opening of this movie is is fucking awesome. It is, like it's like that is one of the greatest openings. Maybe it's pretty fucking awesome, like and the way that they shot it and. Uh, the, they used world class Olympian skydivers, p- skydivers who were like super, super great. Yeah. And they built really small parachutes to go under the jackets. Yeah, so that that's it why looked I really, so that they could still do it, but like that it looked as real as they could possibly do it. And uh, I think it looks, it's one of the best, man. Like it, it and it opens with such a bang. It does. Um, but like then, like I said, they have him land in a circus tent and the music goes and it's just like, come on, really? And like we see inside the circus tent before we see him land. Like, why don't we see it after? Yeah. That would have been funny, right? Yeah. That would have been funnier than everything else they did. Right. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it just was like, to me, like it made the the opening sequence like, Oh, like it could have been, it could have had that like exclamation point, but it just was like, Oh, really? Um, so, but yeah, it, it does jump around a lot. You go from California to Venice to Rio. Like, I kind of like the cool, um, like when they are in Venice and like Bond was investigating the laboratory, and then he goes back and it's like completely gone. They're like they they move the operation pretty quick, right? Like, yes, um, that's pretty cool. But like, I mean, th- don't they launch? Wait, where do they launch the the rockets from? Or the the shuttles from at the end of the movie, I think all a few different places. Well, but where was Bond and Doctor Goodhead and uh, Drax? Like inside the volcano or inside the the waterfall at uh, at Brazil. Okay, so that like so that location obviously had been already present, but they decided to move like more of the operation there 
and he was like hopping around. It wasn't like, okay, we got to move. Let's find a new place to set up shop. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. like, that was there already. And he was probably planning to go there, but maybe Bond kind of messed up his plans a little bit. Can we talk about how like all these guys are like secretly out there, like conspiring to like take over the world, like just like independently of each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and they all have so much money and time and like, you know, different levels of craziness. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. You'd, you'd think that like a good, one of the good bond movies would be like two villains, like fighting over trying to kill bond. You know what I mean? I'd watch that. You know, like, wouldn't you, like, wouldn't you want to see them, like, do do the formula a little bit different <laughs> once in a while? Yeah. I mean, that you would know? be kind of cool, right? You know, like, just, the, it just seems like these dudes, like, they have similar goals. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, like, I appreciate that it's not like, oh, I want to kill James Bond. Like, they have this... Well, like nowadays, like you'd be on like a you'd be on like a Facebook group, right? And then (laughs) like you could be in the Facebook group, like fuck this James Bond motherfucker, and like different dudes would chime in and be like, you know, like I was doing my you know illegal diamond trading, and then one day he came and he blew it all up, and he left me with an empty bottle of you know fucking Grey Goose, and I fucking shook it in the air. (laughs) You know, know, like there could be all different like stories. And then these dudes are like, Oh man, we should get this guy. And then you'd think like if they worked hard enough, like they could at least capture him. Like, I don't know if you can always kill James Bond, but most of the time you can probably capture him. You probably can. I mean, I wonder like how much of that is like them trying to go away from the idea of specter and like a big organization that's connected. Um, right, but I don't even think. But I think in the modern world, like it's not even about a specter. Like they went, like they used it maybe the wrong way. Like also, like that movie. Like looking back on it now, like wow, like could, the opportunity that like they had to like the forced retcon. Like I don't know, whatever. Um, but you know, like they. <sighs> I hope that like going forward with bond like they could figure out a way to make like that i would be a plot i would like like to watch i'd be interested two villains. in that well not even two villains like a whole network you know what i mean like show how people actually work together to fucking destroy things you know what i mean like yeah you don't have to do it in a way where we're teaching the bad guys how to do it better but like i'm saying like these guys go online and they get radicalized and they get nuts and then they go out and do destructive horrible things you know, you got to imagine there's more than one of these dudes that are talking to each other at any given time. Yeah. You know, like, what if they found each other? Right. Like, the guy that – so uh, Drax, like, okay, a year earlier or whatever, probably heard about whatever his name was from the last movie. Like, something oh. Berg. Something anti-Semitic <laughs> was the last name like, of the guy. Like, oh, man, that guy, He, you know, I'm going to – then I'm going to get Bond. <laughs> like – Maybe, maybe, maybe that's how it works. That's true. You maybe both had the same plan. Maybe you work together and you'll yeah. make it. I don't know. It's all, you know, I hope that they are having some meetings. I think that the villain in this movie, like he gets some cool lines and he gets some, and he gets to play kind of cool, like and do, and he looks pretty weird and scary, but he's not like very threatening. <laughs> and he, I'm trying to figure out who he reminds me of. He like, um, it's like a cartoon. I'm, a, I'm gonna solve this for you. I didn't. I didn't originate this, but I'm gonna tell you who he looks like. He looks like Peter Dinklage. Well, that I know. He does look like Peter Dinklage, but he also kind of looks like 
it's not like Pinky in the Brain, but like there's like a villain ca- cartoon character out there with a goatee, or maybe it's the guy from uh, Crash Bandicoot. Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't play Crash Bandicoot. I, I didn't really either, but you look him up, Crash Bandicoot villain. Do you think if we went to like a video game trivia that we could win? Dr. Cortex. <laughs> like, ba- Yeah, I guess he does kind of look like Dr. Cortex if you're thinking about it now, right? <laughs> but do you think we could win like a video game trivia night if we went to go play like video game trivia? I've, I've been mildly successful before. It just depends on like... If they're talking about like '90s video games, or if they're talking about Nintendo, I'm good. If as soon as it's like anything PlayStation, like modern or Xbox modern stuff, I have no idea. But I, we'd probably hold our own. I I don't. Know. I also listen to game like gaming podcasts, so like they talk about that stuff that I don't get. So it kind of just goes into the back of my mind and stores useless information. Anyway, <laughs> perfect. Uh, so with this. You know, okay, so now is our time. We have now. I'm putting a, I'm putting 10 minutes on the clock to talk about Jaws. Yay. All right. So what do you think about, like, I think the initial idea of him coming back is great. And, and I love that he could have been a recurring, you know, henchman. I think that that's kind of a cool idea. Right. Because I, I love the scene of Drax calling and being like, if he's available, get him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That like, first of all, the last movie ends. We know he survives. So he's right. out there in the world. And then like he needs a new henchman and call up the, the big guy that does a lot of damage. Like, why not? Like, that's that's a really cool idea. Um, and like they have some pretty cool fights throughout um, the first two-thirds of the movie, I guess. <laughs> well, I like that, like, you know, the rhythm took over Jaws in Brazil. You know what I mean? He was just in that party, and in that <laughs> moment, he's just like, you know what, fuck it. Like, I'm this big dude. Like, these people are showing me some love. Like, I'm going to go have a nice time with these folks. You know, he's like, fuck it. I'm cool James Bond later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was awesome. Uh, and I like the fights that I think the chemistry on screen between Roger Moore and, and, and Richard Kyle is like really awesome. And it it makes for some really memorable scenes because you remember where Jaws is and you want to, and you're following him too. Right. You know, and and I think that that they they give him like a plot thread of like where he's going and it's not just like he just shows up. Like we, we see him advancing towards bond. Right. And that they're going to intersect at some point. It's crazy because like, I think he's used so effectively in the last movie, like as a bad guy that like to see him, you know, kind of make the change in the later end of the movie is like, it's kind of, it's, it's redeemable if he had actually totally died, but he yeah. doesn't die. Right. He, does he come back? Uh, he doesn't come back, but there's a throwaway line. That's like, Oh, they'll make it. No worries. <laughs> like, right. There, for whatever reason, him and his uh, was is it Dolly, Dolly, like that they're on the part of the space station that's gonna survive. Like, that's cool. Like, it would be really sad if they died, but um, if he had that, a modern movie, like, yeah, he would have the the turn to the good and help James Bond, and then totally die. He would. He would totally die. Right. Um. Yeah, man. Uh. I okay. I like the fight scenes. I think the skydiving scene is is excellent. It's excellent. It's, ex- it's great cinema. It's fun. It's exciting. It's great. Uh, 
I yeah. don't love the cable car sequence. Yeah. I, I think it's a little weird. Um, and it's, it, it's unbelievable too, to me. Like, yeah. It's just, it, <sighs> these you movies know, are grounded in some sense of reality. Like, yes, we can, like, they're supposed to be some, yeah, we, but like we can get that a secret agent might be able to dive out of a plane and figure out a way to get his, uh, you know, uh, parachute from another person. Fine. It's crazy, but I can believe it. I can't believe the rate of speed that they're sliding down the cable car as they're escaping, the way that they're fighting up there. Like, it just doesn't work. <laughs> they they totally would have died. Definitely would have died. They're they're dead. Um, I I don't know, man. I'd like I you know uh, the cable cars are a little. St- thunderbirds to me <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> they're just a little too silly and not real and made for kids like let's play with these big swings in the air come on kids um i don't know i didn't love that i like that i i thought it was very adorable that he finds a girl and i was like kind of like if that was the end of jaws that would be cool except i had already made the artwork for the podcast so I knew he was going to be on the space station. Right. <laughs> so I was like, okay, uh, how's he going to get there? Let's somebody yeah. tell me that one. I do. I do like that. He finds Dolly. I think that's kind of cute. And it would have been a nice like way for him to go off into the sunset. Um, but like, I don't know the, the, like the, his like character development. I mean, I guess he's a, a, a guy for hire, right? So he's yeah. going to do whatever. And then all of a sudden he's this change of heart and he meets this, this woman. Um, and like, like it makes sense kind of in context. Like he's like, yeah, part of the, his, uh, uh, um, Drax's crew. And then when he goes up to space, it's like, oh yeah, no, these are like perfect people. And like they're, they make, uh, Jaws and Dolly, like these, like they feel so excluded. It's weird though. Like, I don't know. I think part of it because, like, they don't really talk and it's all just, like, it looks, it's just very comedic. And it, it could have been a little bit more serious, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that, I think in a modern movie, if you had a bet, like a Batista, like if Batista came back, you know, or if he could come back, um, you know, uh, it, it would be awesome and, and dramatic and, like, you know, I don't. I think he would be a scene and not the whole like end of the movie, not a whole B plot of the movie, because yeah. maybe like if you're a little kid and you're watching this movie, like you're watching it to see what happens to Jaws. You know what I mean? Like you're like, what's Jaws gonna? Oh, he's gonna be fine. That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mommy, what's James Bond doing with this lady? Um, yeah. I don't know. He's a big scary I- guy that people want to see more of, so like they don't want to kill him off and. Yeah, they loved him. They loved him. And he was sweet and a great man. And he was, uh, I think his contribution to, like, the James Bond oeuvre is, like, huge. Uh, I would have thought bring him back and, like, make, and, like, not, you know, and do it again. I don't know. But we'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. It's also interesting to me, like, as much, like, as the Daniel Craig era has kind of done its own thing, like, they've rebooted they they've said it like it's a reboot it's not connected right so like they could have made like a new jaws and 
but they obviously chose not to do that. I think that would have been cool. It would have been cool, but it's also it, it um it helps like his legacy kind of. He's like he had his moment. We had this one amazing actor portray him, and that's going to be the way it is. Like I think that's also pretty cool. I dig it. Um, anything else you want to talk about this movie at this point? Um, I mean, we haven't really talked about the space stuff all too much. Like, uh, it is weird that it takes so long to get there. I like, I liked it. Um, I think the rockets and the, and the, um, and the, the, all right. So you want to talk about like the scenes in space that we get? Yeah. Okay. So like what we came for. (laughs) Okay. So in this, so right. Sure. So in this movie, are you going to get some space? Yes. Are you going to get outer space? No. Are you going to get really great vehicles? Sorry. Are, are you going to get the moon? Nope. Nope. There's no raking either. <laughs> no raking. <laughs> no leaves on the moon. Um, so here's what's going to happen. So there's going to be five space shuttles. They're going to dock with a, uh, a really great um, space station, you know, obviously a late, you know, 70s 60s you know era style of space station thinking before they started to make space stations and how they would actually function yeah um you know we had the cool uh you know 2001 spinning you know artificial gravity exactly. which is very fun yeah very cool. uh it, it's a it's a super cool looking rig and and to its credit when it comes on screen for the first time as they're flying up to it and the sun hits it that's probably the best special effect in the movie. Yeah. Um, and it, and it does really work very nicely. I think where it starts to lose its fun is when you could really see that it's in sp- uh, like just being strung on a string as the different, you know, explosions go off at different spaces. <laughs> and that's a little, that's a little sad, but that's okay. And because you get the interior of the space station, which I think is actually by far the most beautiful part of it. Yep. Um, arguably, the way that we get rid of Drax is mirrored and made fun of in Austin Powers 2. Yep, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, it, this movie does feel like it saved a lot of its budget for, for this big set. Yes. Um, and this big set piece. Uh, and, yeah, and I, it, it's worth it. I do think that it's... While we were comparing it to Star Wars before and some other science fiction later on, like it does, it's not at that level, but it does look pretty cool that, that this isn't a James Bond movie. Um, and yeah, I, I think <laughs> the things that take you out of it, however, are just like the way that it's acted. Um, like when you have this big ensemble of uh, background characters, like, moving in slow motion because there's no gravity. <laughs> it's like, that's like, it just doesn't look believable. Um, and then you have this big space fight where a bunch of Marines come out of the shuttle and they have like this laser battle. <laughs> like, Yeah. That's pretty ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. Uh, um, so when they're flying through the air <laughs> space with the backpacks and the lasers on. Yeah. Um, I think the most upsetting thing to me is that, like, even the laser we see with Q earlier doesn't look like the laser we get in GoldenEye. In the video game. Period. Like, it's just, like, maybe it's blue, but, like, <laughs> I, I, the gun is, is not similar. <laughs> and yeah, I'll say it. I said it. Um, 
yeah, I think that's a cool way to show what actual space fighting would look like. Like, I think that, like, the general idea of that scene is actually awesome. You know what I mean? Like, the, I'm sure the concept art of that had to look super cool. Right. And, like, if they did it now, you could blend uh, CGI with, like, cool footage of the guys in the suits, and you could make it look really, really cool, I'm sure. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I think the thing is, like, all other sci-fi to this point, and, like, even a lot afterwards, like, most fighting is in some sort of ship. Um, sure. Or, like, space station to space station. Um, it's not, like men out in space in these suits because I feel like it's become like pretty like realized that it's really dangerous <laughs> to send people out like that. And yeah. so they don't really do that anymore. But like in this movie, they just go for it and they send a whole fleet of, of guys out there. Um, which do you think like... that's what the space force is going to be able to do? <laughs> Did you watch space force on Netflix? No, I haven't yet. Uh, it was a good, it was okay. It, it, it had some laughs, but, uh, yeah, it makes me wonder what the real Space Force is going to be. I, I do think it's just going to be a bunch of random guys, like, flailing about, not knowing what they're doing. Um, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that whole bit, it, like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it could have been a lot cooler. I'm not saying that they, they needed X-Wings flying around, but I'm, I think, like, if it was on the moon, a space battle on the moon could have been really cool, like... Just, it a space battle on the moon would have been really sweet. I just a think moon? it would have been more believable, believable to watch than them just like floating about in, yeah. in space. And the lasers were like crazy; they were so fast. But it's also like these are like action figures. <laughs> you yes, know what I mean? Absolutely. So like it, it like at certain points it's like oh cool oh my god GI Joe. Uh, so I I don't know. <sighs> the general idea of this movie is like, so he's going to take this orchid. That's this plant that kills humans, but not animals or plants. Right. They're going to unleash it on the population. They're going to, I guess, wait in space. They're not going to have sex in space. It didn't look like they were going to live there. They were going to wait out the, the death of the human race on earth. And for the, um, the nerve gas is to dissipate and then they were going to go back to earth. That's crazy. So um, it was very much an arc that they were waiting up there. I mean, maybe they would have had some babies, but like, I can't imagine. No, I don't think they were planning to live up. You there can't, you can't, you can't do that yet. They're they're They haven't done that yet. Right. Um, even at that point, that would have been like crazy. Um, yeah. So, okay so on the spaceship like they actually have stuff to do which i think is cool like they disable the thing um the anti-gravity scene does not i mean like it, it's as best as they could do you know what i mean like yeah they're doing the best that they can <laughs> you know? also like in a space station like when you see them like they're not built like to have these big huge atriums in the middle of them because that means you have to have like a ton of air and like you're like constantly refreshing and like moving that air around and, like, that air gets nasty and, like, it gets stale. It can get super-duper hot. That's what happened in, like, Skylab. Did you ever, like, watch a, a documentary about, like, what Skylab was? No, I, I have researched it a little bit, and I do want to learn more. <laughs> Take a look. I think they would be on YouTube. There's a series called from uh, – it's narrated by uh, Gary Sinise. 
When We Left the Earth is a great series. It's probably on YouTube now. Uh, anyway, try to find it. They have a very good hour-long show about what Skylab was. To summarize it, it was the hull part of the fuselage of the one of the Saturn V rockets. They like turned the inside into a like a working livable space station for like maybe two to three people. Mm. And they wanted to conduct an experiment to see how many people they could, you know, put in there, how they would do with prolonged, you know, experience in space. How could we deal with sending people to Mars or other places? So when they set this thing up, they when they first put it in service, remember we're not using the space shuttle yet at this time, so they have to launch a Saturn V every time. Mm -hmm. So they couldn't go up and down the way that we do now. So uh, when they're taking this thing up to space, when they launched it into orbit the first time, it's sitting there for a couple of, you know, weeks, you know, pressurized and like, you know, kind of waiting for people to come aboard. When they come on to the ship, it's like crazy ridiculous hot. And they had to build like a solar shade above the, the space station and like have a pitch to the space station at a certain degree so that they could rotate around the earth and deflect the sun so that it wasn't super duper hot in there, but also not ridiculous cold. Um, so crazy, crazy stuff, <laughs> crazy. And then they lived up there and it was like, they didn't have a really great run. And like when they ultimately decided they needed to do different kinds of space stations, you have these modular things that you can build and put together over time. And that's how kind of like Mir and like Russia, like kind of dominated for a little while in that they got that concept earlier on that like they could take parts of their, Soyuz rockets and like make them into bubbles and hutches and into ultimately what was the Mir space station. And we like they did it in just like a more uh, modular way that you could like add on to it and have less like just open air space hmm. that like we had and which was like a dumb thing to do. Anyway, go watch that show and you'll learn why like this kind of space station is probably impractical. Yeah. Also, you wouldn't stand the way that you would stand if it was rotating like that. You'd be standing on the walls. Um, cause gravity would be forcing you outward. Absolutely. So I'm, yeah. I'm Neil deGrasse Tysoning this shit right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> I would okay. love to see his perspective on this. Actually, that'd be really, Oh, fun. I think he would really probably like the fighting in space scenes. And I think he would probably hate the space station, <laughs> the opposite of what we think. You're probably right. But then there's also like the explosions and the sounds and stuff in space that he'd probably be like, that's yeah. No, you don't. Um, um, all right, let's get to ratings. Yeah, let's finish this puppy up, huh? So, okay, the opening sequence, I think we both, we already mentioned it. We really liked it. Um, we did. I gave it an eight. I Like, I went about this one like, okay, it could have been perfect, and I knocked it down a couple of points because of, like, the way it ended and just, like, the, the music and ultimately the fact that, like, <laughs> later on in the movie, be like, oh, yeah, I stole my rocket back <laughs> like, or his shuttle back. Right. Like that was his shuttle that he lent to the government and he took it back. It's just a weird way. Like just felt a little convoluted anyway. What? Uh, yeah. It's super confusing. <laughs> what'd you give it for opening sequence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave it a seven. I think a seven is pretty fair because it is novel and it is awesome. Uh, but it is kind of, 
um, you know, it's it, it's not something I would have never expected Bond to do. Sure. And, you know, like to see him jump out without a parachute. Yeah, that's pretty scary. But also, um, you know, I know it's the opening credits of this movie. I'm sure that it's not going to be. <laughs> he's not going to be in a coma the entire. <laughs> yeah, he's not going to die. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think a seven is is pretty good. It's definitely one of the most memorable ones. It's definitely, you know, it's it's what it's definitely one of the better ones. Uh, thinking about it. You know what? I may go up to an eight, too. I'm going up to an eight changing my score oh right okay (laughs) all right so plot uh i think this movie's plot because it's a carbon copy of the previous movie is at best a five what do you think yeah well if we're carbon copying (laughs) last movie you gave a five and i gave a six this one you gave a five i gave a six so holy shit (laughs) um it's it's fine i think it it could be a lot better um I, i was hoping it would be a lot better because it was kind of a spacey movie, but it really wasn't <laughs> only in name in the very end. Um, yeah, but it, it was easy to follow along and it was pretty simple. So it's, you know, can't really knock it too much. Uh, okay. So gadgets in the car, I'm going to give this an eight. It's got a couple of really great Q scenes. Q is actually, I think awesome in this movie. Uh, I think he's kind of embraced that he's a funny character and now these are movies are going to be more silly and he gets to do more silly stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the dart wristwatch thing, I think is pretty cool. What do you stand? Where do you stand on the wristwatch dart thingy? I loved it. That was, that was I mean, it's, it served a purpose too, right? Like he, he gets it. And then it's like, you're like, I, I use it the whole movie. I, I kind of forgot about it in the centrifuge. And I was like, how is he going to get out of this? And then he uses it. It's like, oh, perfect. There you go. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> um, obviously, this is a big, like, technology-based movie. So, like, a lot of the gadgets and, and stuff are really cool. Like, um, I am, because it's been a while. Wait, what was the car in this one? There is no car. There's a boat. There's the boat. Yeah. I guess, yeah, there isn't a car. Maybe that's why I forgot it. <laughs> No, there's yeah, there's no car, buddy. I'm sorry. Uh, they went big with the Lotus. They went with a boat this time. Yeah, I think the boat that has the wings on it is pretty cool. Yeah, the the hang glider scene, and that is that movie could have been plucked out of any movie and and like put into any other James Bond movie. I feel like sure, like you remember like this movie more than like maybe that scene and like there's gonna be a couple other scenes, but like you ever see. You remember the part of Wayne's World where Wayne goes like they're in the it's like almost the end of the movie and they like they're in the donut place and he's like wait come over here and like they open the door and it's like a whole bunch of like guys like just doing crazy action like from a James Bond movie <laughs> and, like what's going on and he's like well I always just wanted to do this like see what you know kind of crazy action was happening from this James Bond movie and <laughs> I think that and then they just close the door and they like move on you know like yeah. I love that shit. And this is one of those scenes where, like, it's just, like, generic Bond chase sequence. It could have been in any movie. It does really celebrate the location, so, like, that part is very special. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, uh, you know, I, I we how many boat chases, guys? Like, can we get a Ugh. movie with just no, just, and, no like, more. and... And I think what happens is they spend money because they think we want to see the boat chases, but then they run out of money to put music over those boat chases. <laughs> so like they, it's like less, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I don't know. Um, a boat 
like engine is not as exciting as a car engine or or a jet engine. So it's like, come on, it's just a boat. Right, so um, oh my God, Bond okay. girls. All right, I gotta redo this one right now. I am taking her down to a six. All right, so here's why she's here's why Holly Goodhead is getting a six. The only thing you will remember about Holly Goodhead is that her name is Holly Goodhead, and I, I wish that they, you know, I I don't know, like maybe they could have like shown her do like a headbutt or something, you know, like or like yeah. recontextualize her name, you know what I mean, and like. <laughs> like show that she's super ridiculous smart like they they kind of do but like it's not that like she's getting them out of jams it's bond the whole time yeah and i think and that could have been cool in the way that you see you know other you know like especially michelle yo in tomorrow never dies like she's taking the lead at different points yeah no you're absolutely right i'm, I'm gonna agree with you and do a six um she is kind of forgettable yeah she's um, and they she could have made they could have made her so much cooler um but she, yeah, she holds her own. She doesn't, like, do anything that's like, oh, I can't believe that she just did that. Like, um, so that that's good. Um, villain, I think we're, we're both in agreement again. Um, yeah, Drax sucks, man. Uh, this guy is creepy and he's weird, but that's it. He's creepy and weird. And I, I think, you know, what I think what these villains are missing is, like, real good motivation. And I think that's what you lose when you start getting into the idea that our Bond villain has to be some crazy guy with a lot of money who wants to fulfill some crazy fantastical plan. Like, you lose depth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're you're not going to have the ability to give this guy a really good, meaningful plot to, like, destroy Bond um, if you're also trying to make this guy into... A space Nazi. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got the how, they've got the what, they've got the the when and the the where, but no why. Like we there's don't know why we this don't movie understand is what his like. Why does he want to do all of this, other than just because he can? Um, yeah. But on the contrary, that gives you the best physical antagonist, Jaws. I mean, he's the he is the threat to Bond. Yeah, and he keeps coming back, and it's inexplicable. But he that's a threat. <laughs> and and I think that it's kind of cool because, you know, this like obviously Roger Moore is a lot older, so he's not as physical as like other bonds we've seen are like you think about Roger Moore's like the level of action and like Daniel Craig. It's like watching two different movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're seeing two different things here, you know, and it's nice that they gave, you know, Roger Moore, like this big goofy guy that they could like, he's going to beat you up. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, um, and, and so memorable. for the record, we both gave villain sixes. We've gave physical antagonists 10. I think if I could, I might even give it him an 11 this time because he has a turn for the good and he helps bond in the end. Um, but I, I'm not going to break the scale. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, all right. So I'm going to drop my, points by one more okay so bond performance i think this is a kind of an interesting uh, quandary because on the one hand i i like a lot of what roger moore is doing in these movies and i kind of like the way that his character has kind of evolved into what it is in this film and that like roger moore's bond um and way the way roger moore says it in the the 
promotional stuff from 1979. He says, James Roger Moore Bond. Mm. Uh, the way James Roger Moore Bond is kind of per- per- portrayed is kind of like this know-it-all, like, persnickety, but also, like, fairly, like, laissez-faire, hands-off kind of dude. You know what I mean? Like, and it, he's, like, kind of, he's seasoned and his, you know, kind of uh, understanding allows him to kind of do the, you know, us to believe that he's not as crazy physical as Sean Connery was. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, I give him an eight. I It's like, I don't, I, I, I compared to the last movie, I feel like he, he was really, really awesome. Um, and I feel like he was, he really was firing on all cylinders. Uh, so this one, yeah, I, I've knocked him down a little bit. I just like, I hear what you're saying. It, it, it's a different take, and I feel like from here on out, this is kind of what we're gonna get, and it's gonna get a little goofier. I wanna, I wanna say that like how awesome Spy who Lo- he is in Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think this movie he's kind of going. He doesn't have a ton to do, um, because yeah. he's watching another plot kind of unfold most of the time. Um, whereas in the last movie, it felt like he had a pretty active role, and then in man with the golden gun, he's central. He needs to be following what's going on. Yeah. Um, okay. Legacy and continuity moment and relevancy. I think that for, Oh, we didn't talk about yours. I'm sorry, Frank. I said eight. Yeah. Uh, Got it. Oh, you said eight. Okay. Um, Um, okay. You go first for this one. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting about this, um, it's like, it's relevant to the era, right? It's like, this is 1979. It's in reaction to star Wars. I think it's such like an interesting point in the history of the making of this movie that this is what came out because of what was going on in the world. And like, unfortunately I don't think the legacy has like really held up. I think having jaws in it kind of elevates it. Um, and it being like, it goes to space, but it, you know, it just doesn't, it could have been so much bigger and cooler. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, 1979, we have a good bond girl, like, but she's not super memorable, but I think, uh, you know, she feels like kind of almost a modern woman. Um, so yeah, I gave it an eight. What do you think? I think a seven. I think that this movie is in the seventies. It's a, it's a, it's disco. It's the, it's going to space. It's, you know, going to Brazil and, and all different things. I, I, if this movie had a little bit special, better, better special effects, or if this movie had less locations, I think it would have had a higher score. It would have sit better with me as a better film. And then I would have given it a better score. But then moving on to special effects, I think maybe I'll bump it up a little bit because I think they're trying the best they can, and it and it looks as good as they're ever gonna make it. Yeah, and it's gonna, it's an eight for sure. It is. An what eight. do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the last movie like totally blew us out of the water, uh, but this one like, it yeah, it doesn't look like as good as Star Wars. It did like some of those stuff in, in space. It, it even to like. 2001 right yeah Um, it's not it's not anywhere near that so but they are trying and you can tell that they put a lot of money behind it it just makes me wonder why like why the first part of the movie doesn't i guess maybe they would have needed even more money to set like (laughs) the entire movie on a space station or something or on the moon um 
I can't wait for this next uh, category because it's very rare that we actually are like really in agreement about hating something. <laughs> and I, I hated the song. I hated it. And then I hated the music. I agree I hated with that. You. <laughs> it's just so unmemorable. And like, like to me, like, the one like redeem it, it changes a bit when they go to space. Um, like okay. They, they try to have like, like the score kind of tries to have that like spacey vibe, but it just doesn't work. Um, so many times I like, as we were going through, I was like, Oh my God, this music is bad. Like I out loud had said it and it just, it's, it's this, unfortunate. <sighs> so this is the last Shirley Basie bond theme. Uh, if you're keeping score at home, she did Goldfinger and I believe um, uh, Man with the Golden Gun, maybe for the or song. something else. Uh, yeah, I think this is like really just like the bottom of the barrel, like not even trying. <laughs> and the fact that it goes into like the disco version at the end. Yeah. is like oh my god it's like so pastiche and lame and like it's it, it would never have been cool you know what i mean like and it makes the movie feel long you know it's probably because you have that it's the long uh bars like where are you like what the fuck like like speed that shit up yeah um <laughs> i i don't know i it's it's bad it makes the movie shitty it has no i it's totally forgettable but I, like i can't remember it at all honestly. yeah uh, yeah this movie needed some cool music and it would have been and and memorable music and the only redeeming quality the reason why it doesn't have no points is it shouts out close encounters like the fact that they shout that out like so subtly perfect <laughs> so you gave it a 2 i gave it a 3 Overall, our scores, um, Moonraker is a 67 for you, a 72 for me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, for me, not, well, for both of us, like, Live and Let Die is still kind of the bottom. Um, but these other couple have been pretty close to each other. Uh, yeah, in, in I, they're in a good, they're in, like, a, a, a good time. Like, I think we're, you know, is the next movie Octopussy? Uh, for your eyes only because that was what they were gonna make after the spy who loved me i remember it at the end of the the credits <laughs> bond will be back and for your eyes only in four years <laughs> okay so for your eyes only it's 1981 yeah what year does octopussy come out i guess 83 yeah you're right um and doesn't this have this has maude adams wasn't maude adams in a, another bond movie yeah, she was in Man with the Golden Gun. Who was she, who was she in that? She's the she's Anders. Oh. She's coming back. Wow. Okay. Different character, I presume. <laughs> she uh, plays Octopussy. Interesting. Dude, the world is a weird, crazy place, man. And, and I think A View to a, a Kill has Dolph Lundgren in it. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Okay. Uh, this movie, not terrible, but not great either. Um, watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, Frank, final thoughts. 
Yeah, I I liked it. I it was not what I expected at all. Um, so I think if it met my expectation, I probably would have liked it a lot more. And uh, yeah, I, you know, you have this idea when you're playing the the James Bond video games. I think it was not even just uh, Golden. I think even I have this one on GameCube 007 Nightfire that has a whole sequence in space. And it's like, wow, this is so awesome. And then it's like, oh, this is the movie that that's based on? Okay. Um, but, yeah, it, it's good. I'm enjoying Roger Moore. I haven't seen most of his, so this has been a good ride. I'm excited to, to keep on going. Uh, final thoughts for you. You know, it's – I don't know. This movie is such a sign of the times. It shows that, like, Broccoli, like – you know, is trying to be reactionary. This is the most probably reactionary Bond movie we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope that they, um, you know, I hope the next movie is better than this. Hope so too. All right, man. Uh, this has been a great episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Sorry we're a couple days late. Uh, I was taking a class. Um, you can message me directly if you have any questions about the class, but I'm not going to do any talking about it now. It's very boring. Uh, Frank, where can the people find us? You can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us at info at longlostheroes.net. You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. Please subscribe and rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, You can find us on the social medias, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Um, I'm Frank. I'm AJ. And thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) We will catch you next week with For Your Eyes Only. See ya. Bye.